Hello and welcome to episode 50 of the Telling the Story podcast, a look at how journalists and all of us reach the world. I am Matt Pearl, author of the Telling the Story blog and a reporter at NBC in Atlanta. Yes, episode 50, a milestone episode, and frankly, I didn't know that I would ever get to 50 episodes of this podcast. I'm amazed that the Telling the Story blog has been around for years. I'm amazed that I have now done 50 of these episodes, almost all of which have featured a very special guest. This one, the greatest guest yet, I think, in terms of the accomplishments in her career, the ground she has broken, and the frontiers that she has taken on. And uh, the reason you're hearing me, this is actually the rare podcast where I am not just jumping straight into the interview. I'm doing more of a preamble uh, taped away from the interview. And that's because there were some minor audio issues during my introduction when I started this interview with my guest. But I'm so excited and I'm just going to jump right in. No plugs for Stitcher Radio. No plugs for my new book. We're just going to go right in to this podcast with my guest, Brenda Wood. She is the reigning dean of Atlanta TV News. There is no one in the market more respected, more renowned, and more accomplished than Brenda Wood. She's been in my station 20 years. She's been in television 40 years. And on February 2nd, she'll be signing off WXIA-TV in Atlanta for the final time. I can think of no one that I would rather have on for my 50th episode or just at all then the one and only Brenda Wood, and I can't wait for you to hear everything she has to say. It was such an immersive and engrossing interview, one that was supposed to be 30 minutes but wound up going 45. We talk about so many things here, and I can't wait for you to hear it. So let's hear it. Brenda Wood on the Telling the Story podcast. Thank you so much. My goodness, that introduction was impressive. Like, I, you know, I'm looking for this in, this great person to walk in the room. <laughs> it's great to be on your podcast. I'm so uh, thrilled to be talking with you and, and just having the conversations we've had in the past and getting to know you, uh, even just through the newsroom. It's just so wonderful to have you sitting here. Uh, full disclosure, we're having this conversation about two weeks before he's actually going to go up on the blog. When it does go up, you will be... I'm guessing about two weeks from retirement at that point. I'm sure you will be going through just so many emotions between yeah. now and then, but right now, less than a month away. How are you doing? You know, I'm doing great. Um, I, 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 it's almost scarily so. <laughs> I, I'm not, I, I feel almost numb. I'm not feeling anything other than very settled about this decision. I, I think it is the right time. It's personally and professionally. And I'm very, very comfortable. So right now, no waterworks. There's, there's no emotion. Um, I don't know what that'll be like on the last day. That might not be the case. But uh, right now, I am, I am chill. Does it? Well, that's good to hear. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I want to make this very clear for the people who are listening just from the start, especially to those who might not be from Atlanta or just might not be familiar with your work. I, I really wanted to have you on, of course, because of your longevity in the business and you know, as much as as much time as you've spent in Atlanta and as many things as you've done, but more so because of what you've accomplished in those years. There are plenty of people I can think of who have been around for decades in the industry, but I can't think of very many who have done as much with their time and who have made the effort to do as much with their time, mm -hmm. both inside the newsroom and out. And that's really, I, I think, what is special to me about you and what I know we're going to miss is that vision that extends just so far beyond the anchor desk. And, wow. and, and so when I, when I think of the usual listeners of this podcast, it's younger listeners looking for guidance, inspiration as they're getting going in their careers. So I just felt like it was such an important thing to have you on because I think it's very easy to lose sight of having a vision in this business. Hmm. And I think it's something that you've been able to do. Would you say you entered the business feeling that way or, or did it take a while to kind of develop? No, you know, as you're, I'm just listening to you and, and I, it, what's going through my mind is <laughs> really, is, is that really, is that what I did? I, you know, it, it doesn't feel like that. Uh, it, 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 for me, I entered the business uh, and you know, we'll get into how I got into it. it, it I sort of stumbled in it, into it. Um, and just, it, it was just a matter of 
just a work ethic, just coming to work, doing what is expected of you, trying to do the very best that you can do, uh, learning on the job. Uh, you know, there's an element of I don't want to be embarrassed or mortified, so I, you know, in front of my coworkers, so Still I want to do this right, uh, or on TV because everybody's watching. So That's you know, right. you're motivated by that. Um, so you know, there's a large element of that, just coming to work every day and and doing the best that you can and wanting to make yourself and and your and your family and others proud of you. And uh, and then I, I do have uh, a, a commitment to the community. And wherever I am and, and wanting to uh, just do my part, I'm a strong believer in community and what it means to be a member of the society and, you know, and just so wanting to do my part. Uh, so, you know, that rolled into uh, how I filled my days and my weeks and years. And so, I, you know, I really didn't have any conscious thought about you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to fill my days and I'm really going to lead the way and I'm going to show everybody this is how you, you do it. it that, that was not the intent at all. I just did what I do. But I would imagine that that, hearing you say that, I would imagine that being a community servant and being someone who has that impact, you would have done that regardless of your profession. Yes. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, so since you let, are allowing me to segue into this, so what <laughs> I really, what I really wanted to do uh, was to produce and direct and write films and or documentary films and uh you know i i got a detour didn't get that done and you know that we we can jump down later to what i'm going to do next but um that was really my intent and wherever i would have ended up even if it had been in a classroom my mom was a school teacher and then became an administrator in the dc public schools uh whether i had ended up as a school teacher myself or as a nurse or anything else you know i would have brought the same me to the the workplace and so you know again motivated by all the same things absolutely you grew up in dc as you said and then you get into this business and you find yourself in the south in the mid-70s, breaking some barriers in the process. And it's funny because I was looking at your bio uh, earlier today, and it reads, you know, it's it's obviously, it starts 40 years ago, but you could take that bio and put it in the early years. You could put it into any young reporter today, right? Like, reporter (laughs) in a small market becomes a reporter in Nashville, then back to an anchor in a smaller market, (laughs) then an anchor in Memphis, and then up to Atlanta, right? Working those steps, and yet... Knowing what I know about you, it is such a different story in the amount of things that you went through and accomplished in that time. Yeah, I, you know, and here again, when you're going through life, like you're, you're so focused on the here and now, you really don't get a good sense of context uh, or the big picture uh, until you're able to, to look back, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I was just doing, you know, what came at me. Um, I had... Uh, an opportunity to to get an interview at a television station in in Huntsville. I, I grew up in Washington D.C., but uh, my my mom moved to Huntsville to teach at a small um, Seventh Day Adventist College there, Oakwood College. And so I, my first job was at a television station in Huntsville, in Alabama. <laughs> you know, um, and so uh, didn't think about it at the time about breaking color barriers. They, in fact, this television station had had a black female reporter who uh, was going on to get her master's degree, and so I filled her slot. And at the time, the FCC was requiring media outlets to hire uh, my, uh, minorities. Is that um, right? Yes, it was. It was a big deal. In the in the late seventies, because there was were, that specifically for the South. Or no, I just for uh, media entities at large um, that there just was not enough diversity represented um, in in television, and so there, there was this mandate to hire uh, minorities, African Americans, and women. Well, you know, I was a twofer, <laughs> so you know, so they could uh, kill two birds with one stone, and so uh, there you were. So the the their one female uh, African American reporter was leaving. They filled that slot with me, and you know, I, I I was grateful for the opportunity. In my mind, it was not the end all because I was going to go ahead and go to grad school and and get my master's and become a film director, producer, writer. Um, but anyway. Um, it was so long ago and so far back, they were still shooting film 
1977. <laughs> so, you know, I'm thinking, well, this is okay. It's film. I want to do films. Yeah, 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 so yeah. those two things work, Second, right? Perfect, so yeah. th- that's what I was focused on. Um, you know, it, it didn't occur to me that I would be breaking any racial barriers there or gender barriers. But I was, in fact, the only female uh, reporter in the newsroom, in that smoke-filled room, uh, the only one that didn't smoke. Um, and then I was in Huntsville. And so, you know, I found myself doing stories and interviews with, with people who had their own prejudices. And w- when I would ask them questions, would, you know, d- talk down to me, would, you know, be very condescending. Well, well, sweetie, you know, and, they, you know, they would answer their question by prefacing their answer with that, you know, well, well, little honey, um, sometimes, you know, would not even look me in the eye when they're answering the question. I'm out in the field. They would literally look at the photographer really, as they answered the question. Um, sometimes I would, you know, try to get, like, block the photographer's face with my own body so that, to force them to look at me. Uh. Um, you know, and you again getting back just not to interrupt, but you grew up in D.C. You know, in the shadow of the Million Man March. Yes. And now you're in Alabama and you're right. facing this. I can only imagine what that, the frustrations and feeling. Uh, did you ever have the feeling in your mind? Gosh, is this worth it? No, I never. Um, you know, and that I probably owe to my mom. I, my mom was a divorcee and she she was a single parent. And just the the strongest woman you would ever meet, and um, she didn't take crap from anybody, <laughs> and um, called a spade a spade, and she didn't bite her tongue, and she, she was straight up and straightforward, and um, was very confident in who she was. So this was my role model, <clears throat> and so you know I saw it for what it was. You know here here's a man, or here you know every every day I was faced with this. Uh, here's a man who doesn't want to give me respect, but you know what, buddy, you're going to respect me because I'm the one who's asking the questions and I'm the one with the microphone. Yeah, so I was never that, that's right. So I was I was never intimidated by that. I was annoyed, mm-hmm. but I was never intimidated because my mom Alma. She would never be intimidated by that, and she'd stand up and look you square in the face and, and be who she was and be com- confident in it. So th- that's where I came from. Uh, so, you know, it was annoying, but, you know, I, I, you know that, that's sort of what happened during the course of the day. How would you say that, I'm assuming improved, uh, as you, not necessarily maybe as you moved along in your career, but just as time moved yes, on and yeah. things got a little better. Exactly. I'm wondering when you went back to Huntsville a few years later... Uh, maybe it had been too soon at that point. There hadn't been enough changes, or had there been changes? Did you notice that? No, there, there really had <laughs> not a lot of changes. Appreciate the honesty as always. <laughs> no, not really. Uh, when did you? When do you feel like you felt comfortable enough that that would no longer be a recurring issue? I'm sure there. I'm, I'm certainly not naive enough to think that it's that you don't run across those things in life today. I still do. Yeah. I still do in this business. But do you feel like you... Did it stop happening at such an absurd rate? Yes, it did. I think by the time I moved to Memphis, which was in 1980, uh, I didn't get that so much. But here again, it was Memphis. And, uh, you know, there, there were still a lot of uh, racial uh, issues there and attitudes. Uh, but I didn't run into that so much, and, and certainly not with my coworkers. I, I never had that issue, n- not in Huntsville, within the newsroom, or uh, in Memphis. Um, so, you know, that was just something outside the building that occasionally would happen. What did happen in Memphis, uh, in Huntsville, in Memphis, uh, and here in Atlanta, is that when I'm on the set, because I became an, I became an anchor in Huntsville, as you know, uh, two years into my career. And so whenever I was on the set and interviewing someone, I often got people looking past me hmm. as they answered the question. Not a female, but they were most often men that we were interviewing. And I occasionally still get that. Wow. That has happened in this building. Here, here's my, <laughs> and I believe that, here's my question to you. And maybe maybe it's not even worth thinking about because you've probably learned to, you know, to ignore it and look past it in your own way. Do you ever think about if the reason people do that is because of your race or your gender, or because of both? I I, I don't know which one. So yes, uh, I 
Is that the thing that, like, is that something that lingers in a no, way or no? No, it doesn't. I, I, and I, if I had to pick one, I would say more gender than race, frankly. I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm very pale. <laughs> so, so, you know, it's not, so I think, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a woman first sure. uh, for, for someone who, you know, who has some, you know, uh, predilection to wanting to, you know, show their, their bias. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it surprises me every now and then. I mean, I have here again found myself on the set uh, in the 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm one of a team that in, in, includes another man, and, and as a team we're we're questioning someone, and uh, I ask a question, and the answer is given to the man, and I have found myself here again moving my body mm-hmm. so that <laughs> they are forced to look at me because I'm blocking yeah. the 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 other anchor. Um, yeah, I've I've had to do that, and it, it, it's just so annoying, you know. And yeah. and and there have been times when I've I've said to myself, really, you. Oh. You, I, you know, I like you know whoever I was talking to. I just didn't think this would be an issue for you, <laughs> but you know it is. And and I think there are probably instances where um, people don't even realize that that's what they're doing. It's built in. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. I I think that's fascinating, and I think especially in this city, I would imagine. Quick anecdote: I moved here uh, almost eight years ago now, and. Coming from a northern background, grew up in New Jersey, went to school in, in Chicago, uh, and worked north of the Mason-Dixon line pretty much my whole career until mm. Atlanta. Mm. Uh, moved to Atlanta and within weeks was far more educated than I had ever been in the racial history of the South. And not just the Civil War and the modern civil rights movement, but the hundred years in between. and. The, the way in which those things still manifest themselves today. So not having come up in markets in the South, it was certainly, I wouldn't want to say it was a culture shock, but I, I actually find it, um, I, I, it's exciting for me to work in a market where race is a constant topic of conversation and it's not necessarily pushed to the side mm-hmm. for fear of stirring up emotions or feelings. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. So I'm curious for you, Going from small southern cities to Atlanta, what was your take on that? Was it a shift for you in that there is so much history in Atlanta with Martin Luther King and everything here, but similarly, you could look at Memphis and all the history that occurred there. So I I guess it's an open-ended question. Yeah, well, you know, um, in black households, I don't know so much today, but certainly um, in the 70s and 80s, Atlanta was considered the black mecca. Like that, that's where you wanted to be. And it is, in fact, where I wanted to be. Mm. Um, and the, one of the chief reasons is because of the history, uh, because there's so many African Americans here who are, who are, are doing very well, educated and, and prosperous. Uh, in their own right, a strong, healthy, robust middle class. And then you have the, the uh, African-American universities and colleges here mm-hmm. uh, that uh, attract so many uh, bright young students. And so, you know, there's just a lot of, lot of good, promising, future-oriented uh, things happening here uh, in Atlanta. So when I got here, it was just sort of like a, <laughs> yes, I'm here, and and it and it has been that. It has been that. I, I've, I, you know, the the any kind of uh, gender or race bias to the negative uh, has been few and far between, and it's not made a difference at all in, in my stay here. I, I love this city. Uh, I love all of the energy of it, the the youth of it, um, the progressive thought, um, the the brain power that moves through this city hmm. um, and you know it just it makes me very very proud to be able to call myself an Atlantan it's where I've always wanted to be so I, I'm I'm good <laughs> and you've been here now for almost three decades it came yeah 28 years it came That's in 80, 1988 it's uh <laughs> it's so funny because I I've had this thought a couple of times I've been preparing for this podcast is that I I cannot imagine Eleven Alive without you because I've been here for eight years and you've been here all of those eight years. But that's just a fraction of the time that you've actually <laughs> been here. Yeah. And I, I have to imagine that, you know, you've, you've had so many standout moments. You've anchored so many different iterations of shows at yeah. different times that have come through the pike. 
what as you look back, and I know you've warned me about your memory. I terrible into memory. It, but what are the things that stand out to you about your time here and, and in the city? Uh, here at Channel 11? Yeah. Uh, well, certainly, because, you know, I was at the uh, now Fox station mm-hmm. eight years before this. Uh, oh, goodness. So many things. You know, I came here because I, I had the opportunity to work with an African-American news director, which all my years in the business I had never had the opportunity to do. so. Was that at Fox um, or was that That was 11? here at Channel 11. That's great. Um, and so I wanted, to, you know, I, I just wanted to see what that felt like. Uh, I've been, I started in an all-white newsroom um, when I went to Memphis. I'm trying to remember. I don't think there were any African Americans in the newsroom when, my first day there. That, that changed quickly. In Memphis. In Memphis. Um, I, I was the first African-American uh, primetime anchor in Memphis. Um, and, you know, so I, I was there in the midst of transition um, and had not worked with an African-American news director. So that was appealing to me. So that was the scenario when I got here. Um, I was very happy to see a, a diverse, very diverse Newsroom that was, and in the South, diverse takes on a different meaning than it does in a New York City, for instance. So sure. diverse in that they were, it was black and white. Right. So, you know, we didn't have any uh, Latinos, we didn't have any Asians, uh, still don't. Um, and, you know, that, that, needs to, that needs to be rectified, I think, because it still is not representative of, of, of um, the people who watch us. Um, but certainly, you know, my, the opportunity to cover the Olympics. Um, in Beijing, I did have the opportunity to cover the Olympics when it was here in mm-hmm. Atlanta in '96, but I was at uh, Channel Five then. Right. Um, but to be able to go to the Olympics and and cover that in Beijing, that was an incredible opportunity there, and I, I just learned so much and learned so much professionally, but also personally. You know, when you travel wherever yeah. you go, uh, it, it's a, it's a, just a wonderful learning experience to to experience other cultures and and other peoples and and other foods and uh and and journeys and geography and all of that i mean that's just nothing but personal edification so uh that was just a wonderful experience here um the the opportunity to cover politics here Hmm. It's it's fun. It's state learning. Politics. It's state politics. It's fun. Uh, it's 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 a learning curve. You know to see all of the, um, you know. I mean, it, activism in Atlanta is. I mean, it, it is it is a, a, a refined art, <laughs> and you know, and well, Very it should well be for for all of the history, right? Yep. And so the activism here, and just uh, the the how vocal and um, just outspoken. You know our leaders are here. It's it's wonderful to see, and um, you know the the just sort of the practice of uh, of true uh, uh, leading true progressive change um, by our elected officials. That's it, great to see. So to you know to be uh, on the front end of that, and to be able to question these people, and you know why they do the things they do, or take the positions that they take. That's it's fun and enlightening. Uh, so that's been great. And then, you know, I had the opportunity to to cover Nelson Mandela's funeral in South Africa, which also another just absolutely incredible, memorable, historic moment yeah. personally and professionally for me. So, you know, those are the th- kinds of things that stand out for me. I want to ask you, and, and uh, it's kind of a tangent. We've talked so much about uh, how, how race has been a factor throughout your career. And, and just in talking with you and hearing your stories, I just wanted to ask one more question about it, which is, you started in 1977. Yeah. You're ending in 2017. I think it's easy for someone like myself to think that the majority of the change that happened in our country and, in, and maybe even in this city uh, as it relates to race happened in the very early part of those 40 years. Mm-hmm. Is that a fair assessment, or would you say that change has been very gradual throughout the 40 years that you've been doing this? Uh, when it comes to race? And just race the way that you're treated as in terms of journalism, but just maybe societally as well. Oh, um, that's a big question. I know. I, you know, I, I want to say that I, I think the I feel like the greatest part, the greatest change really happened uh, 
uh, 60s to, to 70s. Um, I grew up, you know, during the Civil Rights Movement and <clears throat> what life was like for everybody in the 60s, uh, black or white, doesn't matter. Uh, so vastly different from when I was hired in 1977. Uh, I, I don't even think that it was a thought in the 60s that a young 23-year-old black female, no matter how pale I am, <laughs> would get hired in Huntsville, Alabama. That just, just would not have been a thought in the 60s. So uh, what the 60s laid the groundwork for you know, sort of um, unfolded in the early 70s. And so I just feel like that was the, the really mm. the greatest change. And then I, I feel like I sort of came on the scene as one of the beneficiaries of the, of the greatest change. Mm. And then change has happened since then gradually. You know, we've, we've just, we've matured as a society. We have learned more about uh, who we are mm -hmm. and getting along with each other and, and you know as as civilization moves on you know I think we all just sort of um, you know we, 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 we just become smarter uh, about how to function together so uh, you know I've been sort of on on that curve if yeah. you will yeah and, and it's happened gradually this is the Telling the Story podcast I'm Matt Pearl she is Brenda Wood outgoing evening anchor for WXIA-TV in Atlanta. Um, I wanted to move the conversation more to uh, kind of what we touched on earlier about the ability of journalists to make an impact in their societies. One thing, again, that I just tremendously admire about you. Um, and I think the cliche question for someone in your shoes would be, well, how's the business changed in 40 years? <laughs> but I think, you know, I'm less interested in that, you know, yes, we now have more... Uh, one-person cruise. We now have better technology. Well, let we me just tell you, one-person cruise was the way it was when I first started. That's what I've heard, too. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, really. It was one-man band. I never <laughs> I never uh, was a one-man band. But that, you know, there were a lot of those in the newsroom in 1977. Yeah. So, you know, what's old is new again, right? <laughs> Back to the future, yeah. <laughs> right. But I think, I think the more interesting question, especially for someone like yourself, is how our ability as journalists to make an impact has changed in the last 40 mm. years. Mm. So... I, I, I'm interested to hear your take on it, and you, and you can take it in whatever direction you want. Just our capability as journalists to have a meaningful effect on the communities that we serve. Wow. Well, certainly social media plays a huge role in that. What you're doing uh, plays a big role in that. I mean, just you said at the very beginning that uh, a, a lot of young people who are trying to find their way in this business, who are just getting started or, you know, looking for mentors and looking for guidance and ideas um, and camaraderie and all of those things are listening to your podcast. What an impact just on them. And who knows what that will lead to in terms of their contribution to this industry alone. So uh, the ability to do podcasts and, and um, you know, the ability for all of us to connect through social media is is mind-boggling. It's, it's just something that we never could have imagined even 10 years ago that, that we would have this this kind of reach into people's personal lives. Um, I, 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 I guess early in my career, when television was sort of the only really, really broad media, um, or medium, I should say, Yes, we had a I, we, we had an impact on people's lives in just terms of, of you know dis distributing information, um, and I have always I mean you know information is is key to making good decisions in people's lives. So, yes. um, you know I had that as a, as a news anchor and as a reporter, uh, and I and I held it I held that responsibility dear. It is important, you know I. I I could get. You don't have to. You don't have to be a brain surgeon to figure out. I'm distributing information. The information needs to be correct because people are depending on my the information I give them to make decisions about their personal lives. Yes. So, um, you know, we've always had that mandate, and um, it, it's even more so now because social media has. We, we're in their lives, other people's lives, more intimately. They are in our lives more intimately. Uh, it's sort of a leveling uh, of the playing field a little bit. And so while I'm giving information, which is what I've always done as a reporter, 
I'm also fellow citizen. And I, I know you and you know me. So now what are, you know, how are we going to treat each other? What are we going to give to each other? And um, what, what is my responsibility to you? And how, you know, and so when I, when I comment on social media, I'm impacting somebody who's watching mm -hmm. uh, in a very intimate sort of way. And they're dissecting me and they're, you know, asking questions of me. And what for? Some for gossip, but some, you know, like maybe to emulate or to learn from, that kind of thing. Does it take... Uh, it almost seems as if sometimes we really have to fight a lot harder to keep the mantle, right? Mm. Um, you know, like you said, when you were starting, a TV newscast was one of the few sources of uh, journalism. I don't want to say information, information but, but yeah. you know, the news the, in right. that town. And now, it you know, we're all just bombarded. And that's a great thing. But I think it also means that, you know, we in a local newsroom now have to fight a lot harder to earn people's, just their attention. Oh, yes. Right? Yes. Oh, yes. If that's where you were going, I mean, there's no question about that. I mean, that's, that is the thing that has upended this whole business. Like, you know, there's so many more sources of information and news and uh, entertainment as well. And we're we're still you know we're now relegated to hey we're we're over here <laughs> you know we got the six o'clock news and people are like you know I saw the news you know two hours ago what are you talking so trying to find our place again um, is 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 the is the challenge um, where where our place is in society our meaning broadcast news television journalism as we've known it. Uh, it has to change. Where it's going, I really don't know. I don't think anybody really knows. I don't think the TV news executives know. And in a lot of cases, I think, you know, they're throwing stuff up against the wall and just hope it sticks. <laughs> some of it's good ideas and some of it's not. Right. Uh, you know, we're all just sort of scrambling at this point, uh, trying to stay alive. And then you have the citizen journalist out there who's gathering information and putting it up on the web. And, and then, you know, that right next to and along the same line and on the same level playing field as the, you know, as the CNNs and the, and the NBC affiliates of the world. And we, now we're all... You know, we're all on the same line together. Yeah. <laughs> Equal, not really, but <laughs> social media has done that. So we're trying to find our place. Do you think, um, does it open up the possibilities to have an impact outside of the, the standard broadcast in terms of, I know you've been, uh, you've been involved right. civically right. wherever you've been and obviously throughout your time in Atlanta. Have the changes in media, social or otherwise, uh, has that changed how you then not just uh, provide for the community in terms of what you do on air, but provide in terms of your service off the air? Mm. No. I'm going to say no. If, if I understand your qu question correctly, it doesn't change what I do. Um, you know, I, I'm not on the forefront of Facebook and I'm right. not tweeting a thousand times a day. Um, it just, it, that just, it doesn't, it doesn't sit comfortably with me. Um, so, you know, chalk it up to my age and I'll, I'll accept that. But uh, no, it doesn't change. You know, I've always taken, and I said this earlier, I've always taken my role as citizen and um, uh, just uh, someone who pays taxes and you know, lives in the neighborhood and watches out for other people's kids. I, I've taken all of that seriously and, um, you know, supported charities and people who do great work. And as a matter of fact, being doing what I do for a living has made me even more cognizant of and uh, feeling indebted to the great good people of this world who who give of their hearts and their lives and their their finances and their time to with no expectation of anything in return yeah. to 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 just caring for someone else with with love and it's 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 been a great lesson for me and so over the years I've grown 
more indebted personally to give back to the community, to care for and to volunteer and to be a part of, people, of, of community uh, and to live that out. And social media doesn't change any of that. The new landscape in media, in, in media doesn't change any of that for me. Um, you know, I, I'm still, I'm still me. <laughs> well, we're very glad to hear that. I think, I think it behooves those of us who are in a newsroom to, you know, do whatever we can to be in our communities uh, and, and to serve them the way that you speak about. I also think it behooves those of us who have any kind of clout in a newsroom to use it there too. And I think that's one area where certainly I think I have, I have seen your impact. Uh, you know, it's not often that I work a night side shift, so I'm not often in the afternoon meetings. But when I've been in them with you and our other anchors as well, it, it only takes one comment to sway a decision on, what, on a story mm-hmm. that we might cover. And especially as our newsrooms continue to get younger, do you feel it's incumbent upon you to provide the perspective that yes. might not be yeah. there? Yes. It's one, of, it's one of my concerns, actually. Uh, you know, as, I, as, I, as, we, as we all in this business try to struggle for attention and eyeballs... And ratings. I mean, you know, we—that's we, how we survive. You know, the more the more people who watch us, you know, the the, the better we we survive. So we're all, you know, struggling to find our place now in this new landscape. And as we do, and because social media has become so um, central to this struggle, managers are hiring young people who understand it. They're not looking for me. They're looking for people who understand that that uh, that medium and and that language, if you will. Um, and it's great because we we need them. Um, but with young people, you don't get perspective, just cause they're twenty. <laughs> they just haven't lived long I, enough. Listen, you know I'm what I'm saying? They're, they're twenty five. Yes, yeah. you know they just they haven't <laughs> lived long enough. They haven't, uh, you know. So you, you can't have the context and perspective. Uh, that age brings with the job, and so you know there's you've, there's got to be a balance, um, and you know and managers know that they they're not stupid you know their executives get that too, um, but you know they're they're more interested in the online stuff and so they're putting all their eggs into that online basket right, but even online when you're writing a story, the story is it can only be so deep if you don't bring with it context uh, and why this is important and how this compares to 20 years ago when something similar happened um, and, you know, and the similarities, the differences and where that's part of telling the, the whole story. Right. And so even if you're online writing that story, you need that. So, you know, we're still finding our way. Um, I'm, I'm trying to make a case for people my age <laughs> to maintain their jobs. <laughs> but you know what? I, I think, and, and more power to it, but I also think that it really, it, it doesn't necessarily take someone your age to be able to, to speak up. I mean, we work in yeah. a very diverse newsroom, and I think it's incumbent upon It's not everybody. all about age. It's not all about age, yeah. and and it and it's about life experience and and gender and race and, and ethnicity and yep. religion. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of times it it might be easier for someone in, at, you know, at your status in the building to say something and then sway a decision. It might be more difficult for that twenty four year old mm-hmm. to be like, "Hey, I'm from this background, and you might be." You know, painting with a broad brush right, or right. saying something of that nature. But and, that's and important. That needs to be said. Important. It yeah. is, and whether you know whether or not it sways in that particular meeting on that particular day uh, should not stop uh, someone, no matter their age, uh, when they can bring a different perspective um, to the conversation. That's always a good thing. And even if people don't, you know, even if at the end of the end of the meeting, the decision was made not to include that perspective. That's okay because the people in the meeting heard it. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, there'll be another meeting tomorrow. And you just have to keep plugging away. It is important. Our newsrooms, as you well know, for all of the news stories that we do on this company and that industry and that company that, you know, is not diverse, right. uh, you know, just, it's the kettle 
calling the kettle, you know, black, whatever it is. It's, we, you know, we have our own business to attend to. Our newsrooms, by and large, are not as diverse as they should be. They're not as reflective as they should be of, of, of the demographic to, to whom we're speaking. So we have, we have work to do. And so if you can bring different perspective in, in, in the editorial meetings, by all means, it's a must. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to, no matter what age. I uh, I always like to use the last segment of my podcast as a, as a really focusing segment on advice for younger journalists. I feel like this has had it peppered throughout, <laughs> but I, I wanted to just kind of ask you on a very general level. We've talked about a lot, um, but just for people who are listening to this, who are getting into their careers, or even people who have been doing it for a dozen years like I have, what is the best advice that you can offer to people who are journalists in 2017? Mm. Broad question. Yeah, it is a broad question. You know, I guess it is, you know, I do your job. Um, bring, bring honesty to it. Um, you know, we, we all know that we, we're supposed to go into our jobs uh, uh, as unbiased as possible. There's no such thing as being totally unbiased, of course. Um, but, you know, uh, have an open mind. Um, ask questions so that to as many people as possible so that you can get a broad perspective. Um, and I guess probably if I had to sum it up, sum all of that up in... One thing is that is uh, that you don't know everything. Recognize, yes, you're smart. You're a good writer. You can get it done fast. You can look good on the air. Uh, and people call you brilliant or whatever. They're so proud of you, mom, dad, you know, your schoolmates, <laughs> your, your neighbors. They're so proud of you. You right. work on TV. Woo, woo, woo. Um, you're, you're still a learner. You're a student. Always the student, yeah. always learning, um, and, and carry that with you. Like you don't know everything, you really don't. Um, and the, the the best way to just become better is to just recognize and embrace the fact that you are a learner. Always, you are always a student. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, Brenda Wood, what does the future hold for you? <laughs> oh, I do not know. So, <laughs> you know, I, w- one of the reasons why I, I am stepping away is because while I'm still coherent, who knows how much longer, uh, and in relatively good health, I, I want to take a stab at uh, trying to do what I initially, you know, something along the lines of what I initially said when I was in college. You know, when you're in college, you feel like, or just graduating out of college, you feel like you can conquer the world and just, you know, here I am, world, you know, (laughs) I know you've been waiting for me and I'm just going to just, you know, set the world on fire. Uh, I don't have that kind of energy or burn anymore, but, um, you know, I would like to try my hand at producing, directing. I, I, uh, I don't mind at all giving direction, uh, <laughs> but I like the idea of, of putting things together. It was never, ever my intent to be in front of a camera, ever. Uh, it's not what I dreamed of. It's not anything I ever saw myself doing, so this, this whole career was a fluke. Um, so I'm not interested in being back in front of the TV camera again. If, the, if it works out that something that I produce, write, and or direct I end up being in front of the camera, then that's a different story. But I, I want I want to have I want to have sort of uh, editorial say, hmm. uh, creative say in a project uh, from from the beginning to its fruition and whatever that is, and in some creative way. So, film, um, even theater, perhaps. Uh, I I have a um, theater project on my desk right now that I'm hmm. looking at. That's like okay, this is like really great. I don't know what I can bring to it. I don't know anything about it. Should I, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I read something that uh, Branson, uh, what's uh, the guy who does uh, Virgin Airways? Oh, Richard, uh, Branson. Richard Branson read, you know, he's like, you know what, accept the job and then learn it, <laughs> learn how to do it. <laughs> it worked well for him. So, so I'm looking at it going, you know, should I, should I accept this job? <laughs> and then, you know, just like study, like, you know, you know what, to, to, to learn how to do it. I don't know. Yeah. But, um, 
yeah, I, I want to, you know, explore those possibilities. That's great. And uh, it's, and it's, again, just, it's such a sign of the, the continual, the continual yearning to, to just keep at it, whatever that is, and not just be bound by, by, you know, what you might do nine to five, or in your case, two thirty to eleven thirty. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I think, it's so important, and again, I, I, I've said this, but the reason that I, I really wanted to talk with you and have you on the, the podcast is because I know so many journalists in their 20s who are burnt out, right? Yeah. And they're, you know, I, my last guest was a college professor, and we were talking about how journalists, you know, college student journalists enter the business, and they are idealistic. They want to change the world. They want to do big things, and then they just get ground yeah. through the business, yeah. and within yeah. a few years, they're cynical, and we all become cynical, yeah, we do. but there are still ways to try to find the meaning and impact in what you're doing. You've obviously just, you continue to find it now, but it's something you've done throughout your career, really. Yes. Um, what, just, just trying not to stay, not to be cynical, not to let it burn me out. Um, it probably is, I, I, you know what, I want to say that probably being a mother having a family uh, forces you to have some kind of balance. It just does. You're just forced to because you have two, you know, I had two little ones looking up at me like, you know, well, what do you mean we're not going to the amusement park today? (laughs) You know, whatever. Um, You know, that kind of, it it forces you to think about something else and to value something else greater than uh, television news because this can be, this can consume all of you. You know that mm-hmm. uh, this business can just eat you alive. Just consume every if you, if you are really willing to work twenty four hours a day, <laughs> it will no it will take you on. Right, it will right. take you on. So you know, uh, have have a life uh, outside of it. Um, I was very fortunate. I, I'll say this: I was very fortunate to to start a career and to have the majority of my career during the probably the most lucrative era of sure. television news. So, and I was also the beneficiary of that. So, um, you know, that made life easier, better. It's one of the reasons why I stuck with it. Yeah. Because I, I could have a comfortable life with it. It is not like that anymore. So, yeah, there'll be a lot of young people who get burned out. They'll get burned out because they'll come to the realization that for all that this business takes from you, uh, in, your, in terms of your time and your energy and your brain power uh, and your creativity, it's not going to love you back like that. It's just not going to pay you what you are given to it. And at some point, you're going to just say to yourself, you know, I'm married now. I, I got a kid or another kid, two kids or three, whatever. And I, I got to find something that's going to pay me what I feel I'm, I'm worth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and respect my time and respect me in a, in a greater way. And so I, I just think that they'll, they will, I, I don't know if there will be lots of other careers that will be this long because people are just not that crazy. No. <laughs> they're, not, they're not that crazy anymore, you know? And it's a different landscape, you know? Just the, the money to be made in this business is not what it used to be. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, but I think that passion goes a long way. Right. Passion certainly does, but but passion, at some point, uh, intersects with personal life. Yes, you fall in love. Yes, you get married. Yes, you know you want to have a family. Oh, you know you want to be able to celebrate with your loved one his or her birthday. You want to go on vacation. You, yeah, you know what I'm saying. All those, they're going to enter. They're going to intersect, and when they keep intersecting, and your loved one gets the short end of the stick then then you have a choice to make you got to make choices that's going to happen yeah it's going to happen and some people will choose to give their all to the business and if that is works for them then you know it's it's not a matter of right or wrong it's got to be what works for you in your life and if that works for them that's fine but everybody will be faced with that at some point what are you going to miss the most i'll miss the people you know, people like you, I won't get to see on a regular oh. basis, you know? I mean, um, that's, that's the other thing that um, I've had the chance to work with just some incredible people, uh, incredible 
creative writers, I, like Matt, I, I look at your stories and I so yearn to to have the talent that you have. I, you're just you're amazing. You're an amazing writer, and you're so brilliant and and thoughtful, and it just you know I, I love what you bring to your work. And there've been so many other people that I've had the the opportunity to work with who who I just admire them so much, and. Um, they're heroes for me. You, you are one of them. Um, and then, you know, great people, fun people, funny people, uh, you know, the creatives, the smart ones, the, you know, I, I, will, miss, I will miss the people. Yes. Very cool. That. Well, I, uh, I appreciate your time. I'm going to tell one Brenda Wood story before Uh-oh. I let you go uh, because I think when it comes to if, if people want to know what it looks like to – to work with someone who just has that passion and has that appreciation for the audience. I remember a few years back, you hosted a 7 p.m. show <laughs> on our air. Uh, short-lived, but I always enjoyed it. Uh, and it had a live web chat during the show. <laughs> and I'll never forget one day, uh, I had a live shot in the studio, and you and I were talking and, and making small talk. And I, and I must have asked what you were up to uh, that week or the weekend, and you said... Well, I'm actually uh, I'm getting together for lunch with a few of the uh, the most frequent chatters from the show, <laughs> and and I was stunned, and I'm still like I'm telling that story now, and I'm like I can't believe, you know, someone who who's been in this business, who's who's you know sat at tables with dignitaries and. You know, you just interviewed a former president two days ago, and and you're and you're making time for a table full of people yeah. because they watch your show regularly. Yeah. yeah, that to me was like if I learned nothing else from Brenda Wood, and I've learned plenty from you. I'm always going to remember that lesson of appreciating an audience and never taking that oh, for granted. Gosh. Well, that's that's funny. You know where we met? Where'd you meet? Waffle House. <laughs> <laughs> we met at Waffle House, and uh, some of the people who who uh, met up with uh, we all met up that with today uh, that day uh, are still uh, regular viewers, and we still that's communicate great. via email. Uh, on a regular basis. So, you know, I made some lifelong friends and uh, it, it, it was fun and funny and we had a good time and it was my first time going to a Waffle House. Oh, wow. It was. So, and that was, and that was the running joke because, you know, we, we, they were uh, on the, on the, uh, the, the conversation online. Somebody mentioned something about Waffle House and I said I'd never been there and then it was all like, what? <laughs> so that's how we've we, yeah, go. we've got to go. So that's how we got to that. <laughs> it wouldn't be Atlanta if, uh, if the podcast didn't involve Waffle House yes. Exactly. Well, Brenda, uh, congratulations on on everything. Congratulations on such a storied career. Thank you personally for all of the inspiration and the the example that you've provided to me and countless others in this building. And uh, thank you for joining me on the Telling Story Podcast. So much fun. So much fun. As I say, I'm such a fan. I'm such an admirer of you. I I just love you. You're you're such an all around great guy. And, uh, and then so smart and talented, too. So this has been a real pleasure to sit the down and talk with you. is mutual. <laughs> Brenda, thank you. The Telling the Story blog updates every Monday and Wednesday. The website is tellingthestoryblog.com. Rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Subscribe to the podcast on Stitcher Smart Radio. Check out my new book, The Solo Video Journalist. And thank you for listening to this 50th episode of the Telling the Story podcast. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.